listeners, surprise! We're dropping this episode a week earlier than usual, so you can check out the show we just recorded last week with Keegan-Michael Key and L. Key at Barnes & Noble in L.A. Yeah, now Barnes & Noble is a bookstore, not a recording studio, so you may hear some music overhead and some crying children nearby and some books being dropped and opened and closed and thrown. It's a magical place. But uh, you'll also hear what we think is a pretty great show. If you want to see another great show, catch us this Sunday in L.A. at another new venue for us, the Lyric Hyperion Theater and Bar in Silver Lake. Our scheduled guests are actor Ever Carradine and comedian Ron Funches. You can get tickets now at GoFactorPod.com. And tickets are available now for our last live audience show of the year on Saturday, December 2nd at KPCC LA's The Crawford in Pasadena. Guests for that show will be announced soon. That's it. We thank you for listening, and now, here's me from the bookstore. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. They're new. They're new, Helen. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now from Barnes & Noble at the Grove in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, Jay Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you, everybody. What a pleasure to record a podcast in a bookstore. We have never done this. This we is the have, first time for yes, us. Yes, well, speaking of first times, Helen, I understand that you did something for the first time uh, this week. What did you want to tell us about? Yes, I, as you know, Jay Keith, I am chronically single, and I went on a first date uh, to the L.A. Zoo. Oh. And that was a mistake. That was a mistake. I'm not going to lie. The L.A. Zoo is not a first date. L.A. Zoo is a commitment, you know what I mean? Because I don't know if you guys have ever been to the L.A. Zoo, but it's like a mile walk just from the parking lot to get to the front door. And in that mile walk, I already kind of knew. I was like, oh, this isn't the guy. And then I was and then I was stuck at the L.A. Zoo. Yeah. Uh, it was also like a, it was it was one of those nighttime, like Friday night lights at the L.A. Zoo. No, that's high school. That's not high no. school. Football, no, no, it? no, no. It's it, like it's like ooh, a special like nighttime event at the LA that Zoo. That sounds very romantic. It it would be, it, except for the fact that the animals you want to see um, also go to sleep at night. Ah. And so, uh, and the animals that don't go to sleep, they don't want to disturb them, so they don't like them. And so, basically, you're just looking at um, empty pens uh-huh. and empty cages. I think we did see one armadillo scurrying away, yeah. and. Uh, and then just walked around and uh, had an overpriced churro, and that was six hours of my life that I'll never get back. So thank you. Wow. Well, here's to love, everyone, huh? What do you say? <laughs> Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. All right, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they may not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guests. Helen, who are they? They are the authors of a brand new book, The History of Sketch Comedy, inspired by their award-winning Audible original podcast, The History of Sketch Comedy. It's L. Key and Keegan-Michael Key. Elke and Keegan Michael Key. Hello, Elle. 
Have a seat right there. Hello, Keegan. Hello. So well, nice hello, to see you. Hello, Helen. Hello. Hello, hello. Yes. Have you ever done a podcast in a bookstore before? This is our first time. This yeah. is our first time. Ours yes. too. Yeah. Have yes. you ever done a, a quiz show in a bookstore? Yeah. Not, not no, this, this, is, this is a first no. all around for yeah. everybody, yeah. right? I mean, I think it's a first for us and a first for the audience, and right? Yeah. Our first. Yeah. 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 And, and I think it could go well. I got a good feeling. We yeah. Know. We'll see. Yeah. I've we'll got see. a good feeling. Let's yeah. find out. Yeah. Al, of course, you are an award-winning film, television, and commercial director, writer, and producer. Keegan, of course, an Emmy and Peabody award-winning actor, writer, and producer. This is the book that I am holding up here that uh, I believe everyone in the audience uh, already purchased. So really, what are we doing here promoting? <laughs> uh, it is called The History of Sketch Comedy. Uh, congratulations on the book. Now, I know the book is written uh, a lot in Keegan's voice, talking about his experience. But, El, this was actually your idea and something that, uh, that came along a while ago. Tell us about that. Probably uh, about seven or eight years ago, I pitched Keegan this idea. Uh, you've always heard, someone always says, do you write what you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, you and I both know a lot about sketch and history and sketch comedy. And you certainly... Uh, I feel it's funny that we're doing a game show because yeah. I feel if, if I was going to compete with anyone who would know more than me, that it would be Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, oh, oh, the gauntlet's so, been thrown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you were, I, I'm like, that's it. He wins. Mm -hmm. We're done. Uh, but um, you had to convince him to, uh, to I, do the I book. I had to convince him. And the way that I convinced him is that he would tell me a story about something funny or something that happened in his life or something in his past as we're getting to know each other. And he'd say, oh, oh yeah, when I was in a Renaissance festival, we used to do that. I'm like, what? what's that now? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? And then I'd start taking down notes, and he'd be like, are you writing this down? And I'm like, yeah, I'm writing this down, because I think this would make a really interesting part of one of the chapters of the book that I am going to write with you called The History of Sketch Comedy. <laughs> and I said, a book that you're going to write with me. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, you're kind of writing it right now. You just don't know it. I think it's what it is. <laughs> so, so that's actually what it is, is I wrote the book, and Keegan also wrote it, but don't tell him, because I okay. don't think... <laughs> Your, your secret's knows. safe with us, even though his name does appear to be on the cover. He hasn't read it, so it's okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, and I understand, uh, Keegan, though, it was your idea to have Elle do the illustrations that are in the book. Yes, I thought instead of us paying for licensing and all that wonderful oh. jazz, <laughs> that, that Elle, who was an illustration major at Syracuse University... Right. Ooh, yes. All right. Oh, oh, yeah. oh Syracuse Cuse, in the audience. Right. There we go. Right. Yeah. That she would draw all the pictures for the book. That was my my way of getting revenge on <laughs> us uh, writing a book. They're wonderful, wonderful illustrations, and they give the book a real interesting feel. A very kind of you know new feel. Yeah, for those of you who haven't had the book yet, what's great about it, and I think you, d you designed it in this way, Ella, was uh, it's not something that you have to read all in one sitting. It's something that you can uh, come back to. There's the illustrations. There's stories from a bunch of comedy luminaries that you've interviewed. There's scripts of famous catches. And then, of course, uh, it's sort of part memoir as well for you, Keegan. That's right, yeah. So there, there are there, each chapter is kind of the format comes together in a way where there'll be some history a little bit of uh, a story about my life and how it relates to that history. Mm -hmm. And then there's this one thing that we have at the end of each chapter called a, hey, you can't do that moment. Right. I kind of wanted to come up with some kind of pattern or formula. And, and I took a detour from the book at the beginning of COVID, I, I really said, hey, you know what? This is a really good time to finish this book. Yeah. Our agents explained to us how long it takes to write a book and get a book out to the yeah. public. Yeah. So would you ever consider, instead of doing a book, do a podcast? So the podcast was a really educational detour into this process mm -hmm. because a lot of that, that podcast has influenced the book. So I wanted to keep it short and sweet, and the, and the podcast and the book are 10 chapters, and they kind of follow the same format. Sh 
but there's a lot of lot of new fun stuff. Short and sweet is good for people who are fans of sketch comedy because they're not yeah. known for having long attention spans. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> <Right>? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> sketch comedy, like yeah. oh god, it's two uh, minutes. There's a lot of great research uh, about obviously the history of sketch comedy. You go way back uh, in history. Tell us about some of the discoveries that you made as you were finding out sort of the origins of comedy in itself. Well, as we were doing research, the one of the one of the most fascinating things we found is what people seem to think mm-hmm. is the oldest recorded joke. Mm. Yes, which was from... Ni- don't, get, don't get too excited. <laughs> um, which was from a, a 1900 BC. Mm. In the Yes, 1900 BC in the land of Sumer, or Sumeria, mm-hmm. which was in Mesopotamia. And um, let me guess, it was like, what's the deal with mastodons? Right, right, right. If you pass me the book, yes, I will, I will, I will read this recorded joke. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna set this up a little bit. The Sumerians are also credited as creating things like algebra. Mm-hmm. And the wheel. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure this uh, it fits right into those, uh, that, those seminal this inventions. Is, this is exactly, yes. exactly where we're going. This is the joke, as it were. Mm-hmm. Okay. Something which has never occurred since time immemorial. A young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. So the wheel... What did you say, El? Wait, 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 wait. What did they so invent? Wait, Algebra. Is, I'm, I'm just going to read the next paragraph. Now, Sumerians were a super impressive group of folks who contributed some pretty amazing things to civilization. So if you're assuming this first joke was going to be a cunning and clever fart joke, then you would be correct. Um, <laughs> the writing, the plow, the wheel, and fart jokes. Fart jokes go back to 1900 BC. 1900. Well, well, just written ones. I'm sure <laughs> people were making oh, yeah. them. People yeah. might have been telling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the cavemen I'm, were probably Yeah, cavemen were pulling each other's fingers. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> all over. I think we have to forgive ourselves for yes. thinking that fart yes. jokes yes. are funny because they've yeah. always been funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cavemen were pulling each other's fingers. Whoever had opposable digits at the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keegan, uh, you're able to trace your sort of comedy sketch origin story uh, that you mentioned in the book as well to a very specific moment. Uh, it's uh, when Eddie Murphy was doing his Stevie Wonder impression to Stevie Wonder on Saturday Night Live. That's right. Uh, yes. and, you, and you talk in the book about how, uh, how why that was so important to you. Tell us about that. It was the first time I really saw my father laugh, mm. really belly laugh and guffaw. My father was a very stoic man and kind of a quiet gentleman. To see him laugh like that was just so absolutely powerful for me. And I just kept on thinking to myself, if Eddie Murphy can make my dad roll mm-hmm. on the floor like that, mm-hmm. he has a superpower, and I want to know how he got <laughs> that superpower. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So here we are years later. Uh, you've starred in the movie with Eddie Murphy. Yes. You've hosted Saturday Night Live. Uh, was that enough for your dad? What was that like then to, to sort of come full circle to, to the moment that, that sort of birthed it for you? It was, it, it was exactly as, as surreal as you would think it would be. You know, Because it's one of those weird things where people often say you, you don't want to meet your heroes. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, Eddie Murphy was absolutely lovely. He was mm-hmm. so gracious. Everything that I wanted to be wonderful about him was. And, did you tell um, him the story about your origin story about? I him? actually did tell him the story, and and I think he kind of blushed a bit. You Aww. know what I mean? Yeah, like because I think he understands the power of comedy. That it's it's it, it can be such an important thing in people's lives. It can bring people together. It can bring us. It, it can be a salve when our souls are hurting. It can be so many wonderful things. Um, to just just the healing power of laughter alone mm-hmm. is yeah really and, special. And have you made your father laugh? As much as Eddie Murphy made him laugh 
laugh that time. Um, in certain situations, that I, I, my dad did laugh at, at, at stuff that I did on stage, mm-hmm. and that was that. worth it. It must that be nice worthwhile. when your dad laughs at you for something that you did on purpose. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Elle, of course, you've got a great comedy background as well. I know that uh, some of your origin story goes back to uh, seeing a lot of classic comedians in the Catskills. You also have talked about how that uh, when you and Keegan first met, you really connected on geeking out over these what you call the science of comedy. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? We had met a couple times, and I guess we were kind of, as you call, industry friends that we would run into each other at events mm-hmm. and things like that. We had like an official meeting. Let's see if maybe there's something we can work on together, mm-hmm. see what we have in common. And I would talk to him about jokes or TV shows or things that we thought were funny or movies that we liked. Or, and I would talk about a joke that I liked or some funny story that I heard. And Keegan would say, oh, okay, so that kind of setup or this is how we did this on Keegan Peel. And we kind of really did like the comic math. Mm. Someone earlier said that that's that you shouldn't try to break it down. It's 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 not funny to yeah, break that, it somebody down. Somebody said that. But I think it's analysis, pretty funny. Yeah, to like analysis of, of comedy like, is not. Yeah, yeah. comedy Com- dies on like, the operating table yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I I I find that there's two kinds of people who are comedians. Mm-hmm. They're the people that are the like the scientific dissectors, the ones that know the the mm-hmm. algebra and the everything behind it. And then there are people like me that are like, I don't know. I just say something until they laugh. Just, <laughs> that works. That didn't I take just, long. You just, you just, you just roll the bones yeah. right out. Just yeah. be more awkward, and then eventually somebody will get, will chuckle with you. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about the book, of course, is called The History of Sketch Comedy. Have you thought about what the future of sketch comedy might bring? Something that I've noticed m- more recently is with, with the advent of Instagram and mm-hmm. TikTok and things like Vines and Quibi and uh, all of this, we're watching the the art form kind of truncate a mm. little bit. It's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So nowadays, you can you can read a meme, and a meme will just be a joke, as it, 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 and it's as fast as it takes you to read it, mm. which can be 15 seconds or 10 seconds. Yeah. In the golden age of television, on your show of shows, which starts at Caesar, or on the Colgate Comedy Hour with um, Martin and Lewis, all of these particular shows would have sketches that were sometimes 15 minutes long. Yeah. You know, you move forward, you fast forward to, to Saturday Night Live, and you have sketches that are six minutes long. Mm. And then now you watch Saturday Night Live, and they're three minutes long. Mm. Then you go on the internet, and everything is 30 seconds long. Wow. I don't, I don't know how much shorter it can get. <laughs> you, you know. I think it's all going to come back to uh, fart. Yeah, I think right. that's, that's all we're going to need in the future. Just that word. Just, just that, that one word. Yeah, it works. Yeah, yes, it works. Yes. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for being here. Congratulations on the book. It's Elkie and Keegan Michael Key, everyone. Thank you. All right. Keegan and Elle, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work that you know and love. Keegan, for you, you said that was the Matthew Stafford era of the Detroit Lions, <laughs> New York City phrases and slang, mm-hmm. and Jewish cooking. Yes. Whereas for Elle, you said that you know and love art and painting and colors, 1980s action movies, and Jewish cooking. <laughs> I can see why these two get along. <laughs> Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, a front and a back. 
First up in a front and a back is Keegan with a front. Keegan, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, play it. Hi, Jake, Keith, and Helen, and guests. This is Becca from Downey, California. My question for What's the Difference is... While they both result in someone's feelings being hurt, what's the difference between an affront and an offense? Thanks. Love the show. Bye. So, Jay Keith, I think the difference is that an affront has to happen in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that an offense can be something that is written down ah. or and can happen prior to the meeting of the two people. So when a man slaps another man in the face with a like a glove, mm -hmm. and says, I challenge you to a duel, yeah. that's an affront. Right. And then an offense is, is that when that first man uh, who <laughs> was insulted, you yes. see, by the second man, yeah. and he knows, uh -huh. it's time. It's time-oriented. It's time. Time-oriented, time yes. Well, speaking of time, that's all we have for today. No. <laughs> uh, all right, Elle, you heard uh, Keegan's answer. Uh, anything you would like to change or add? I think an affront is an action, and an offense is a noun. Ah, and a noun as opposed to an action. Uh, all Wait, right. Can I change my answer? I'm sorry, you cannot. <laughs> all right. Well, this segment is becoming insultingly long. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judge's table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both an affront and offense are hurtful to someone. The difference is intent. Because an affront is deliberate. You meant to be insulting. An offense is not necessarily deliberate. You could have meant to be insulting, but it also could have been a whoopsie. Whoopsie. Sorry. Thank That's you, Helen. That's a technical term, right? The whoopsie. Yes, yes. yes the, a whoopsie. Yes, we got that right from the Oxford Dictionary. It could have been a whoopsie. It could have been a whoopsie. whoopsie. Uh, that's right. Now, affront can be used as a noun and a verb, where offense is only a noun with the verb being offend. In British English, offense is spelled with a C instead of an S, which, frankly, I find offensive. Helen, how did our guest do? <laughs> I'll give each of you half a point. All half right. a point for each of you. Right. Half, a point. half a point. Yes. Yeah. Because, right. Keegan, you did say to their face, which is, you know, deliberate. deliberate. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, L, you did say it was a noun, mm -hmm. which it is. Mm -hmm. okay. Half yeah. a point each. Very right. nice. Half All right. a point each. Let's just do that every time. We'll do that every time. <laughs> All right. Up next in a front and a back is L. L, while both may take you aback if you keep kosher, when it comes to pork, what's the difference between spare ribs and baby back ribs? Spare ribs and baby back ribs. And I realize now that both of you chose Jewish cooking <laughs> as a topic. Um, but you've heard of those things. yeah? I've heard of <laughs> yeah. them. Yes. I think that Spare ribs are served together, and, and baby back ribs are served uh, in, uh, individually. They're individually. not attached. Like, you yes. could get spare ribs in a... They're still connected, and mm. you can cook them that way, and yeah. baby back ribs are little, yes. teeny, separate yes. delivery. Babies have been torn apart from that their is my siblings... <laughs> And that is my, I have no idea, but we're going to say words. All right, we've got Elle's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Keegan, anything you'd like to change or add? I think it's exactly the opposite oh, thing. Oh, okay. Yes, that I think that the baby back ribs are attached to each other and yeah. the spare ribs are separated. 
All right. Um, is, uh, yes, I think that's the opposite. All right, well, <laughs> we need to spare the audience of any more of this segment. Let's go back to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Compared to spare ribs, baby back ribs are shorter, curvier, and have less meat, though that meat is generally more tender. Baby back ribs come from the higher part of a pig's rib cage near the spine. And I don't eat pork, so all of this is making me feel real gross. All right. <laughs> so. I do eat pork, and given a choice between spare ribs and baby back, I'd have to say, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. Everybody was thinking it. All right, Helen, how did our guest do? Yeah, no. Yeah, the pull apart no, thing was not. No. Hey, we tied again. We tied we again. Tied, yeah, you're tied <laughs> again. What is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the end of that round, Keegan Michael Key has half a point, and L Key also has half a point. Yes. Right. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. And together we are The Flophouse, a long-running podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. And because we're so long-running, maybe you haven't given us a chance. I get it, but you don't actually have to know anything about previous episodes to enjoy us, and I promise you that if you find our voices irritating, we grow endearing over time. Perhaps you listened to one of our old episodes and decided that we were dumb and immature. Well, we've been doing this a while now. We have become smarter and more mature, and generally nicer to Dan. But we are only human, so no promises. Find the Flophouse on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Keegan-Michael Key and L. Key. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. Uh, all right, Keegan. Of your many interests, you told us that you know and love the Matthew Stafford era of the Detroit Lions, mm -hmm. New York City phrases and slang, and Jewish cooking. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the Matthew Stafford era of the Detroit Lions means to you. Okay, well, the Matthew Stafford era of the Detroit Lions was when we um, drafted Matthew Stafford uh, in the first round out of the University of Georgia mm -hmm. in uh, 2009, and he was act an actual good draft pick, mm -hmm. which was something that we do not have a lot of around <laughs> the, Detroit, yeah. the Detroit Lions, barring this last couple of seasons where we've been doing quite well. And he was absolutely excellent. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer oh. when, he, when he retires. He's, okay. he, he's a very talented quarterback, and um, the people that he had to, he got to throw the ball to uh, a Hall of Famer by the name of Calvin Johnson, and watching them play together was one of the highlights of my, and I'm a sports fan, and was one of the highlights of my sports life, is watching yeah. the Stafford to Johnson connection. Yeah, and I think you can tell you're a sports fan because you refer to anything that the Lions did as we. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. That, that's, that definitely <laughs> makes me a sports fan, right? Uh, <laughs> All right, great. Nick, tell us what New York City phrases and slang means to you. I don't know where this topic came from. Oh. <laughs> no, your, your publicist had said that she'd asked you, and then, uh, and then this is what we got, but uh, that's fine. We can oh, move on. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. My publicist, who is from New York. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, she, she might have put in some of her own, so uh, <laughs> this, this could be a very interesting game. This is going to be interesting, yes. Yeah. She might have be been punking you, actually. Yeah. It, it's weird, because she actually knows more about the Barry Sanders era of the Detroit Lions. Yeah, so, right, uh, right, that's, yeah. right. uh, that's all right, we can move on to the last one. Uh, and then finally, Keegan, tell us why you know and love Jewish cooking. Because my wife makes it, and she's an extremely good cook. Mm -hmm. And and so um, there are many things that I enjoy. One thing I really enjoy is, is noodle kugel. Yes. yes I love yes. noodle kugel. That is something that is, uh, is, is uh, warmed my heart, is, is to have 
is to have a, a partner who is good and proficient at making mm -hmm. these foods. And uh, have you been so inspired that you want to make your own uh, Jewish cuisine? Not, not as of yet. Okay. Not as of yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if, I, if yeah. I can, if I may, I, I understand matzah is a good word, a good place to start. And I have, yeah. I have actually, have helped, actually made I, I have helped make the okay. matzah. I have helped make matzah balls. Okay, soup. so that's uh, and yeah. I, and I believe what I do make, what we make in our house are floaters, right? We, we make sinkers. No, we, we, make sinkers. Make sinkers. we make sinkers. Okay. We don't make floaters, we make sinkers. Yes, you do. All That's right. That's right, we make sinkers. That's yes. right. All right, so to summarize, Keegan, you said that you know and love the Matthew Stafford era of the Detroit Lions, New York City phrases and slang, and Jewish cooking. Today we're going to quiz you about the Matthew Stafford era of the Detroit Lions. Yay. Uh if we had picked New York slang, it would have been a really short yeah. segment. No, I don't think I don't think we mentioned. Uh, tell us what your connection to Detroit is. I, I was born and raised there, and I've been I've been a Detroit Lions fan since what we will call the Billy Sims era. Ah, yes, and so it it, it has been quite some time—a good forty, a little over forty years. Mm -hmm. And um, I am a long-suffering Lions fan. Ah. it's um, we, we we are the we are the Cubs. <laughs> or we're, we, I should say, we're the Cubs of football. Except the Cubs have won the World, World Series. Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now we're all by ourselves. Yeah. We are the only original team from the original NFL from the 20s oh, okay. who has not been to a Super Bowl. Ah, not, that was it. Not won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Not, not, been, we've not ever, ever been. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that should be a trophy in and of itself. Yeah, right. Like, well, like, I was going to ask, I know there are a lot of uh, fans of sports teams that tend not to do well, that uh, people identify with that long-sufferingness. Is that the case with yeah, the, 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 the Lions Yeah, that's the case with me and the yeah. Lions. Yeah, that yeah. I'm, one, I'm one of those long-suffering people yeah. who, it's, it's like being in an abusive relationship. <laughs> you know, it's really, when they're those small, bright, those high points, just, yeah. just, just, there's a little bit of hope, and then, then, then it gets, gets dashed. All right, dashed. Well, I, to well, the I will rocks. not mention that as we record this, they are in first place in the division. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because yeah. I'm sure that's going to jinx things. Yes. That's how it works. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with an expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, Keegan, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, L, do listen closely because if Keegan answers incorrectly, you can steal. L. by the way, how much do you know about the Matthew Stafford era of the Detroit Lions? Matthew Stafford is a quarterback for the Detroit Lions, who was a uh, first-round draft pick, who went to a college, uh -huh. and then he was drafted from that college. You're a really good listener. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So sh short-term memory, not the issue yes. that we're dealing with tonight. Uh, all right, well, let's see if Keegan gives you a chance to uh, get a shot here. Here's question number one. Okay. Keegan, you might have just been helped out a little bit on this because question one is this. The Matthew Stafford era began when he left college early to enter the NFL draft. The Lions signed him to what was reported to be the most guaranteed money paid to a draft pick in NFL history. At what prestigious overall position in the draft did the Lions select him? Oh, so he was selected number one. Helen? That is correct. That is yes, correct. He was number, number one. one in the draft. Right. Fun fact, it was the most guaranteed money ever paid until the following season. When the Rams gave even more money to number one pick Sam Bradford, Matt Stafford, of course, now plays for the Rams. Bradford played his last NFL game in 2018. You did not need the hint on that, but Helen, what would that hint have been? Where number this? Where number this? <laughs> oh, 
that's a hell of a hint. Helen Hahn, ladies and gentlemen, yes. The hints are there if you need them. Please use them. All right, here's question number two. In 2009, the same year the Stafford era began, the Lions rebranded with a new logo and updated uniforms. But the home uniforms still kept the Lions' traditional shade of blue, a shade named for what U.S. city? Honolulu. Helen? That is correct. That is correct as well. Two for two. Fun fact, according to Team Lore, the first owner came up with the color after admiring the hue of the Pacific Ocean on a trip to Hawaii, and the shade was named Honolulu Blue. I, of course, would have gone with Honolulu Blue. (laughs) Here's question number three. One of the most celebrated players from the Stafford era is someone named Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, who achieved many amazing accomplishments. But which of the following is not one of them? Is it first-team All-Pro... AP Offensive Player of the Year, NFL All-Rookie Team, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, or third place on Dancing with the Stars? Well, he definitely is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Calvin Johnson, I can eliminate that one. Calvin Johnson is definitely in the Hall of Fame. Okay. And, um, gosh, I think that he... Okay. And I, oh my God, he was on Dancing with the Stars. Right. But what problem, place did but he but come in? What place did he come in? No, we wouldn't be that tricky. Or would we? <laughs> I don't think he placed that high on Dancing with the Stars, so I'm going to go with Dancing with the Stars. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. El, though, with a chance to steal. Uh, He wasn't on the rookie team. Helen? That is also not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. He did place third on Dancing with the Stars and all those other things, except he was not AP Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, my God, that was the other one I was going to choose. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, You did not lose a point. Fun fact, Calvin Johnson did come in third place on Dancing with the Stars despite receiving perfect scores in the finals for his jive in quick-step fusion to Tutti Frutti. Oh, wow. Wow. So naturally, I understand. You saw that. You remembered Tutti Frutti and the jive in the quick step, and you thought, obviously, he came in first or second. First or second place. He didn't come in third. It's Calvin Johnson. Come on. Exactly. Uh, All right, no point there. Let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. You do still have your hints available. Gotcha. The 2020 season marked the end of the Matt Stafford era as he was part of a blockbuster trade in January of 2021. It also marked the end of head coach Mark Patricia's era as he was fired earlier in the season and replaced by interim coach Daryl Bevel, but Bevel was replaced for one game in week 16 by offensive coach Robert Prince. For what reason did Prince have to become acting head coach for that one game? Oh, I will take my hint. Helen, how about that first hint? It was 2020, so it's the same reason the preseason that year was canceled. Oh, because of COVID. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. And, and isn't it nice, by the way, to be able to applaud for COVID? Right, right. <laughs> Fun fact, several players and coaches had to quarantine due to COVID protocols for that game. Not many of them were infected, thankfully, which may be why the Lions lost 47-7. to Yes. Uh, it was the only game Robert Prince has ever head coached. <laughs> All right, you did well on that. Here's question number five. You still have your second hint available. Mm-hmm. Here's question number five. Although the Lions didn't win their division during the Stafford era, they did make the playoffs three times as a wild card. In their first of those games against the Saints in 2012, the Lions went into halftime leading 14-10. The second half didn't go so great. In the lopsided loss, what was the final score for either of those two teams? And we'll give it to you if you're within five points. They were leading 14-10 at the half. Yes. 2012. Mm -hmm. So Drew Brees was playing. Um... 
Let's see, so they probably killed him. <laughs> um, let's use that second hint. Helen, how about that second hint? All the scoring in the second half was on touchdowns, and between both teams, there was a total of seven of them. Here's the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. You see, the, I'm uh, I'm an actor, uh-huh. and the reason I'm an actor. <laughs> is because I so so dislike math. Yes. Oh no. I'm with you. Yes, yes. you know what I mean. You're talking, yeah. Right, Helen. Is that why you're yeah. a comedian? 100%. Yes, that, that's why you. That's why you wrote a book about the Sumerians' fart jokes, not the Sumerians' algebra. Right, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm going to say thirty-seven to fourteen, Helen. That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. L with a chance to steal. What was the score at the half? The half, the half it was 14 oh, to gonna, 10. She's going to get this. We're just looking for the score of either one of those teams. And there was, you said there were seven more touchdowns. Seven more touchdowns total. So uh, let's do 52-21. Helen. That is also not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. You were a little bit closer, L. It was actually 45 to 28. The Saints won 45 45 to 28 28. after being down 10 to 14. No point there for either I only gave the the Lions one more touchdown. I should have given them two more touchdowns. (laughs) (laughs) It was very generous. That was good, L. Honey, that was good. You're only giving them one more touchdown. That's what what most people would have done. Uh, Sorry, no point there. Fun fact, in the 2016 game against Seattle, the Lions never had a lead. In the 2015 game against the Cowboys, the Lions had the lead throughout the game until the Cowboys scored with less than three minutes remaining. Wow, you are not kidding when you say you're long-suffering. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah, really yeah. know much about this team, but the more I'm learning, I'm like, yeah. they're bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you can't put one past Ellen. She picks that up. <laughs> Uh, yes, I'm, and I would understand you're blocking out that they gave up 45 points. Yes, so I blo- yes, blocked that out. Yes, yes. Uh, all right, you Many still- times. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you still did pretty well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Oh, a cluster fact. Ooh. Oh, that's funny. Thank you. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Keegan, a football team needs defense. So in 2013, the Lions landed prized free agent defensive back Glover Quinn, Mm -hmm. who re-signed with the team in 2017 before announcing his retirement in 2019. In those six seasons with the Lions, Quinn started every game, had 19 defensive interceptions, and in one year led the NFL in interceptions and earned himself a Pro Bowl selection, the same Pro Bowl that Matt Stafford made. For up to three points... Of his 19 interceptions with the Lions, which team did Glover Quinn intercept the most? In what year did he lead the league in interceptions and make the Pro Bowl? And what number did he wear throughout his career with the Lions? Oh, my gosh. Wow. I mean, I, I, mean, I, look, I love the Lions, yeah. but this is... <laughs> uh, these are all figureoutable, if you give it, if you give it a little thought. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So, for, so, first, we're looking for what team did he intercept the most? It might be a team that he faced more often than others, right. something so like that. It is either going to be the Bears, the Packers, mm-hmm. or the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Which of those would you like to choose? I will choose the Bears. The uh, Bears. All right. Uh, next, we're looking for in what year did he lead the league in interceptions and make the Pro Bowl? Keep in mind he signed with them uh, in the 2013 season and left in 2019. I will say 2015. 2015, okay. Mm-hmm. And what uniform number did he wear during his tenure oh boy. with your favorite team, the Detroit Lions? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to say that Glover wore uh, 23. 23. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight via Zoom from Houston is a former Pro Bowl defensive back for the Detroit Lions. (laughs) It's Glover Quinn. (laughs) Glover Quinn, are you there? There he is. What's up? How y'all doing? Glover, it looks like you're at some sort of a carnival or fair. I am. I'm at the fair, enjoying the night with my boys. But I had to hop on the call and uh, and be the expert. We appreciate you being the expert. Thank you so much, and good luck winning that yellow Scooby-Doo behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I already lost like 80 bucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw what you signed that free agent contract for, though. I think you could be okay. <laughs> be all right. Glover, just to give our audience a little bit more background, uh, you were only with the Lions six seasons, yet you took them to the playoffs twice. You also uh, have the all-time record for the franchise in the top 20 of passes intercepted and the top 10 for yards from interceptions returned and forced fumbles, mm-hmm. and in the top five all-time for the Lions in number of passes defended. Very impressive career with the Lions. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Glover, you kind of had a humble start. I know you were a star in high school, but how many scholarship offers did you get from colleges? You know what? I ended up going to junior college out of high school because I didn't get really any D1 offers out of high school, so I went to Juco, and I only got one Division one scholarship offer out of junior college. I only played in eight games because a couple of seasons got shortened by Hurricane Katrina. I broke my arm in one season. I played in eight games, ended up getting one scholarship offer to the University of New Mexico. So I left Mississippi, went 16 hours away to Mexico. Wow. Wow. Yeah, very nice. You- you must have had a lot of confidence in yourself to, to uh, stick with it uh, against those odds. I did. I mean, I knew I could play. I just needed the opportunity. Uh, what's amazing to me is uh, as soon as you got your opportunity, I believe it was you, you started in your fourth game uh, in your NFL career, and after that you started in every game. They knew what they had on their hands. Right. And what's funny is when I got my first start, my own defensive backs coach didn't even want me to start. He actually told me and this other guy, he was like, hey, we're going to start going over this game. Wasn't my choice, but we're not playing very good. So Jeez. I didn't have a say so, right? Wow. I went to the defensive coordinator, and he told me, he was like, hey, we're going to let you start this game. Don't give us the reason to take it back. <laughs> 150 games later, I never gave him a reason to take it back. So <laughs> I started very every good. game for the rest of my career. Grit. I think we call that grit, Helen. Uh, what's, right, also, right. what's also amazing is you, you never missed a game in your NFL career, uh, which doesn't mean that... You, well, I missed one my rookie oh, year. Oh, did you? Excuse me. I'm sorry. But after after I you started, one. I believe. Yeah, after you started, you never missed a game. Right. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you never got injured. If I read correctly, at, at some point, you'd broken your hand, you had torn a ligament. Was it your idea to still play anyway, or was that something that other people put pressure on you to do? Well, I always wanted to play. I mean, I hated, I hated missing yeah. time even as a little kid. So when I got to the pros... I just wanted to play. I caught my first three interceptions in a game with a broken hand when I was in Houston. I broke my hand in one week. I played the next week with a cast on and caught three interceptions. Wow. You have incredible pain tolerance and or the drugs were amazing. That was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but Keegan, sketch comedy is also very difficult. Yes, we're not I, trying thank to... You, thank you. Yeah, I know, you know. Yeah. You were a free agent after you were with Houston. Uh, what led you to signing with Detroit? I've always been a guy that I just wanted to go where I was wanted. I've always tried to be like a game changer, like promote change. And so 
at that time, Detroit didn't really have a great reputation. And so the GM kept telling me how he wanted me to be a part of the change. And so I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to go to Detroit and I'm going to make it work. And so I signed with Detroit. It ended up being probably one of the best decisions I ever made. It was a decision that made Keegan very happy as well. Yeah. Yes. You retired after uh, playing for 10 years, and some people were surprised by that, but I read that that was actually always part of your plan, to play exactly 10 seasons. Yeah, that's all I wanted to do, because I didn't want to get carried away from the game. Football was what I did. It wasn't who I was. And so I wanted to play long enough to make enough money and be able to come out and enjoy my life. So I had my kids when they were young, when I was young, so now... I get to go to the fair with my boys mm. and enjoy life. I get to walk around. I get to yeah. go play ball with them. So when we beat Green Bay 31-0 my last year in 2018, that was kind of like a fitting end to my career. And I walked out with smoke me a cigar in the parking lot, and it was, and it was great. <laughs> Very cool. So great to do that on your own terms. Oh, yeah. I got lucky. A lot of people don't get to do it. But I was blessed. I, I can say and right now I've been retired five years. I feel great. I got in the photo and video because I'm like, man, I got three boys. They're all athletes. So I got in the photo and video stuff. So I do all their pictures and content. Then I started doing framing. I started framing all my pictures. That's right. You've actually got a business now where you frame sports memorabilia for people. It's beautiful work if people want to check that out as well. Last thing I want to ask you about, I read uh, this. Tell me if this is true. As a kid, you would take little scraps of paper, write your autograph on them, give them to your teachers and classmates, and say, keep this. I am going to be famous one day. <laughs> Man. That is true. Hey, you did some reading. You, you did some good research. That is absolutely true. I remember being in the NFL, and somebody sent me a picture of an annual that I had signed probably back in fourth grade or whatever, and that's exactly what it said. Hey, keep this. So someone did keep it. Yeah, they kept it. That's crazy. Hey. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've been manifesting this for a long absolutely. time. Absolutely, yes. The system works. All right. Well, let's get to the reason we brought you here, Glover, as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Keegan. First, we wanted to know, of the 19 interceptions that Glover Quinn had with the Lions, which team did he intercept the most? Helen, what did Keegan say? Keegan said the Bears. And Glover? He is correct. He is correct for the point. Very good. And uh, I'll, I'll point out a little behind the scenes when we were talking the other day about it, and I told you this was going to be the question. You actually were able to go through each team and count how many you had done for each team. They really stuck out to you. You, you keep that in your heart when you make an interception, huh? Oh, yeah. I kept every every interception ball I called, every team, every quarterback. Oh, wow. That I didn't I know. Ball, I know. The, I, I kept every ball. You see some people throwing the ball in the stands and all that stuff. No, you're nah, keeping nah, nah. it. I yeah. kept all mine. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I know someone who can frame those for you if you need them. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, that is a point there for Keegan. Next, we want to know in what year did Glover lead the league in interceptions and make the Pro Bowl? Helen, what did Keegan say? Keegan said 2015. And Glover? Was kind of right, kind of wrong. The year that I led the inter league in interception was actually the 2014 season, but the Pro Bowl was actually played in January of 2015. Ah, interesting. Ah. You could give him the point. Or I mean, you could give him a half a point or no points. I'm it's up to you. I'm going to give him a point. Oh, a full yes! point. 
I think Keegan's going to refer to this now as the as the Glover Quinn era, <laughs> thanks the, the, to the that. <laughs> All right, a point there for Keegan. And finally, want to know what uniform number did Glover Quinn wear throughout his career with the Lions? Helen, what did Keegan say? Keegan said 23. And Glover? That is incorrect. Oh, I'm sorry. Darius Slay wore number 23. I was number 27. Number 27. 27. Sorry, no points there. Darius Slay wore 23. Yes. Uh, No point there, but Keegan, while we have uh, Glover Quinn, our expert here, anything you'd like to ask or say to him? Glover, I just wanted to say thank you for all of your service for the Detroit Lions for those (laughs) those six seasons. uh, I mean, you, you were wonderful. And I also... Got to meet you at a Super Bowl. You were doing an interview with Jim Rome. Do you remember I, that? I knew it. Yeah, I knew I talked and they asked me. I was like, I know I met. I think we was doing an event together or we was doing something. Yep, yep. I was like, I... I remember Jim in Houston. It was in Houston, yeah. And you were doing an interview yep. with Jim Rome, and I was about to go up, and, yep. we, and, and, and we crossed paths, and we took a picture together, and you were wonderfully gracious, and I really appreciate it, and yep. I appreciate everything you did for the Lions. Thanks, man, I remember that, and I appreciate you, you man, being a huge Lions fan, man, representing. Yes. I like it. I appreciate it. If, if only he had told you his uniform number. If only he was yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Clover, it's been so wonderful that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? Uh, I'm on Instagram at uh, Glover Quinn, and I got all my other handles on there. I do frame, man. I do photos. So all those tags are on there. I'm on Twitter. You just type in my name, and Quinn with one N, not two. Quinn with one Quinn N, of one course, N. of course. Glover, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join us, everyone. It's Glover Quinn from Houston. Thank you, guys. Go win that Scooby-Doo toy. All right, Helen, what is the score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Keegan Michael Key has five and a half points, and L Key has half a point with a round of questions for L coming up. That's right, we're going to talk with L about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Keegan and L will go head to head in our fast facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Fair number this. Fair number this. Helen, that sounds like the hint you gave early in our game. Yeah but it's also a hint to America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, Factor. Oh, it's easy to see why Factor is number one. They've got chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door, and they are so good. They really are. Choose from more than 35 weekly, flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences all ready in two minutes. Yeah, and get the best of autumn with fall flavors. Those are limited-time only, hearty, comforting meals like cranberry pecan chicken and apple Dijon pork chops. Again, they're ready in just two minutes, and they'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without the hassle. Level up with gourmet plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Helen, I am especially glad that Factor is back sponsoring us. One, because we love our sponsors, but also Factor is so good. I I really feel I want to share this with our listeners. You need to understand how good these meals are, and I cannot believe that they're ready in two minutes. They don't taste like a microwave meal. They taste like someone just made this fresh for you, customized for your dietary needs. It's true. I had this mushroom masala dish that was... mm. Chef's kiss. Yes. And now that sounds gross to me, but it, but the ones that I loved that had beef and pork probably sound gross to you. And that's fine. Things can be gross to some people, but wonderful to others. That is probably the point of factor that they're going to love that I said. Hey, Helen, how do people get factor? 
Head to factormeals.com slash go fact 50 and use go fact 50 to get 50% off. That's go fact 50 at factormeals.com slash go fact 50 to get 50% off. Save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle with Factor. And that's why we say thank, thank you, Factor. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Keegan-Michael Key and L. Key. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. All right, L. of your many interests, you told us that you know and love art and painting and colors, 1980s action movies, and Jewish cooking. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what art and painting and colors means to you. Both of my parents were artists, so I grew up in a house where art was encouraged, so... I just always was drawn to it and liked it. And uh, as Keegan said earlier, he suggested I put some art in the book. So I did that as well. Yeah, and you studied illustration as well. I did. I studied illustration. All right, next, uh, tell us why you know and love 1980s action movies. It's funny, Keegan and I, uh, we both, I guess, have a a bit of a dad story because when I was a kid, my dad loved going to those action movies and my mom, I guess, didn't want to go so much. So mm-hmm. I was always going with him and I was like, this is awesome. I would actually say to my brother, are you sure you don't want to go next time? Because like that was, Rambo was pretty cool, but you know. <laughs> Wait, your brother wouldn't go, but you would? Yes. Yes. So your da- it would be your dad and your, is it yes. father? Yes. I'd be like, no, I'm, go- I'm in. Father, I'm in. daughter, I'm t- bonding yes. time. Yeah. weapon, I'm in. Die yeah. hard, whatever it is, I'm in. I'm yeah. In. So those are the kind of movies yes. you would bond over, father yes. and daughter. Yes. Awesome. And then finally, tell us why you know and love, and I think I have a feeling though, I know why. Tell us why you know and love Jewish cooking. I guess it's something I grew up with and I cook and mm-hmm. it's just something I know a little bit about. Now, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm curious. Do you prefer floaters or sinkers in your matzo ball soup? Definitely sinkers. That is the correct answer, yes. 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 So to summarize, Al, you said that you know and love art in painting and colors, 1980s action movies, and Jewish cooking. Today we're going to quiz you about 1980s action movies. (laughs) Take that, Jewish eaters. I say that as a Jewish eater. <laughs> what are some of your faves that have stood the test of time for you? Lethal Weapon is mm-hmm. definitely definitely in there, and the, and the the first Die Hard is is in mm-hmm. there. That guy agrees. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. And uh, what what was it about the eighties action movies and not other decades? Uh, was it the fact that you got to experience them with your father? Yeah, I think they made the most impact. Mm. I think there was there was a, a a time when there were a lot of really big blow up movies that were uh, very influential. All right. Well, just ahead, Elle, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five curious questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Keegan, Mm. do listen closely because if Elle answers incorrectly, you can steal. By the way, Keegan, how much do you know about 1980s action movies? I know a little bit about 1980s action movies. I feel like that's a topic that I know something about. Okay, so not just what what Elle had said that you're repeating now. You actually know that I've got some knowledge of 80s action movies. I, I, am, I am a fan of them as okay. well. Okay, yes. well, we'll see how this uh, shakes yeah. out. Uh, all right, here's question number one. L, when you think of 1980s action movies, you probably think of people like Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Chuck Norris, Sigourney Weaver, Wesley Snipes, Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and a certain star of such iconic 1980s titles as Red Heat, Red Sonja, Raw Deal, and The Terminator. Who is this action? 
action movie legend? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. We're on our way. Wow. Fun fact, in The Terminator, Schwarzenegger says a total of 58 words. The question we just asked you also had 58 words. Wow. Depending on how you count Jean-Claude. <laughs> uh, right. Here's Very question cool. number two. The top grossing movie of 1986 was an action movie whose only sequel so far came out over 35 years later and was the top grossing movie of 2022. What movie was it? Top Gun. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice. Fun fact, in the original Top Gun, Tom Cruise memorably sings You've Lost That Love and Feeling. That very same year, the music group Grant and Forsyth had a hit with their cover version of the song, reaching number 48 in the Netherlands. <laughs> Here is question number three. Many action movies did not wait over 35 years to release a sequel. In fact, several squeezed multiple sequels into the 1980s. But which one of the following action franchises did not have at least three of its titles released between 1980 and 1989? Did not have. Did not have. Okay. Was it Indiana Jones, Rambo, Lethal Weapon, Death Wish, or Superman? What the answer is, because it's in between 1980 and 1990, had three. I don't believe that Indiana Jones had three. Between 80 and 89. Between 80 and 89. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I'm going to take the hint. Helen, how about that first hint? Indiana Jones did have three movies that decade. That could be a helpful hint. (laughs) I'm going to go Lethal Weapon. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice. Good use of that hint. Fun fact, Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2 were both released in the 1980s, mm-hmm. but Lethal Weapons 3 and 4 came out in 1992 and 1998, respectively. We have been threatened with a fifth Lethal Weapon movie. Here's question number four. Action movies, of course, didn't just feature male stars, and there were hardly any women tougher than Grace Jones, who in the 1980s appeared in the action-packed James Bond movie A View to a Kill and the action comedy Straight to Hell. She also notably appeared as the warrior Zula in 1984's Conan the Destroyer, where she carries and fights with what weapon? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I mean, it must be some kind of sword, but I'm going to take the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? When he's drunk, Conan calls it a toothpick. A wooden stick. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Another excellent use of the hint. Fun fact, according to the British Film Institute, Grace Jones trained for 18 months to use the sharp stick she carries in the movie, but she still reportedly injured two stuntmen with it during the making of the film. (laughs) Guys, there was no CG. All right, okay, number five. Let's see. All right, here is question number five, L. You have no hints available. Let's see how you do on your own. All right. While Hollywood action movies in the 1980s didn't get much recognition from the Oscars, it was a different story in Asia, where the equivalent of the Oscars, the Hong Kong Film Awards, awarded Best Picture in 1986 to the Jackie Chan action film Police Story. In what category did the film win its other award for Jackie Chan's stunt team? And it was not called Best Stunts. So you're saying in Hong Kong, they won an award. True. What was the category called? Correct. That the stuntman won their award in. That the stunt team won. The stunt team won an award. And Mm -hmm. it's not called Best Stunts. It's not called Best Stunts. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Best Ensemble. 
Helen, was it Best Ensemble? It was not. No, I'm terribly sorry. Keegan with a chance to steal. Is it is it Best Choreography? Helen? Ooh. Close. It's Best Action Choreography. Best Action Choreography. I would give that to him. I... I think you should give that to him. I, I'll give it to you. A point for Keegan. Very nice. Thank you. Good job. Good job. If it wasn't me, I would want him to have the point. Oh. oh. What a very supportive very nice. co-author. <laughs> yes. uh, fun fact, Police Story was nominated for six of those awards, winning those two. The next year, the John Woo action film, A Better Tomorrow, won Best Picture. Mm. Respect their action wow. Another act, they respect their action movies. Yes, yes, very good. All right, you did very well in that, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. Elle, it is time okay. for your cluster fact. Okay. They'll get there. <laughs> we'll be bringing out an expert to discuss your response. L, 1983 saw an action movie directed by John Batham, whose title character is a state-of-the-art military vehicle called Blue Thunder. For up to three points, what kind of vehicle was Blue Thunder? What human was the leading star of Blue Thunder? And what other thriller starring Matthew Broderick was also directed by John Batham and also released in 1983? Okay, First one is a helicopter. Okay. The second question was, who was the star? Of yes. Blue who? Thunder? What human was the lead star? Of Blue Thunder. I'm so bad with names. Keegan would know. Okay. okay. Um, that's that's my answer. Keegan, Keegan knows. Keegan wants to tell you so Blue badly. <laughs> he was very handsome. I know that. Um, no, it wasn't was, me. <laughs> he was Caucasian and mm -hmm. he was handsome. Yep. Um, and he had short hair. Okay. So I'm not sure. I'm going to go back to the second one. And the last question was, the same director in 1983 mm -hmm. also did an action movie? Did it act also directed a thriller starring, a thriller. Matthew, starring Matthew Broderick. The only math, I mean, the, the Matthew Broderick movie I remember was War Games. Okay. So I don't know if that's the right one, but that's my guess. Okay. And... Any guess on God, the actor? The actor. Narrowing it down from and is, Caucasian, uh, handsome, uh, uh, and short hair. God. I can't remember. Okay, no worries. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. <laughs> Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an acclaimed film director whose many credits include iconic works like Saturday Night Fever, Short Circuit, and several action films of the 80s, including Blue Thunder. It's John Badham. John Badham, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, John Badham, greeting our guests. John, it is such a special honor to have you here. Uh, for those of you who are not as familiar, uh, in addition to films like Saturday Night Fever and Short Circuit that Helen mentioned, you also are the director of several films, including Whose Life Is It Anyway, Stakeout, Bird on a Wire, Dracula, Point of No Return, The Bingo Long, Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings, Blue Thunder, and a movie that we will discuss a little bit later. You've also directed a lot of current and recent TV programs, including Nikita, Criminal Minds, Psych, and Supernatural. John Badham, ladies and gentlemen. We'll, we'll talk about your filmmaking work a little in a little bit, but uh, you also have another career as a professor. Tell us about where and what you've been teaching. Well, I spend several days a week down in Orange County at Chapman University mm -hmm. and Dodge College of uh, Film and Media. And I teach beginning, intermediate, and advanced directing and, and work with the thesis students, graduate students on their thesis films. I can't imagine a better teacher than John Batten yeah. for that. Wow. Uh, do you assign your movies for them to watch and analyze? I sneak them in. Okay, good. 
Very nice. We were recording in a bookstore. You also are the author of two very well-acclaimed uh, books about directing. What is your favorite book uh, besides your own uh, about directing? Because you're really a student of the craft. There's Sidney Lumet's book on making movies that is a fabulous book for any anybody that wants to learn directing because mm-hmm. he's one of the most not only artistic but wonderful director of actors. Mm-hmm. So he, he was able to do many things. We are here talking about this book, The History of Sketch Comedy. And uh, speaking of comedy history, the very first movie that you ever directed starred a uh, comedy legend, uh, the Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings. Who was well, that? He was, yeah. he was not a legend at the time. Well, yes, most people, most people become legends later on. His manager yes. kept saying, he's going to be big. Yeah. He's going to be big. Now we're talking about, you know, this guy, but but in a few years, he's going to be Richard Pryor. That's right, Richard Pryor. Uh, what do you remember about working with Richard Pryor? Oh, God, it was so much fun because you just never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. Yeah. You could just set him loose in any scene, and he would rewrite the dialogue on the spot because he was so good at improvisation. Mm-hmm. And he made all the other actors have to really pay attention because what they were supposed to respond to might not necessarily be on the page. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm a huge fan of baseball movies, and that really is one of my favorites. I was so, so delighted to be able to talk to you about that. Well, Elle's category, of course, is action movies. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, did you approach directing action sequences differently than you would approach other kinds of scenes? You have to approach everything like, what's the point of this? Mm. You know, what, what are we trying to accomplish during the scene? What's the goal of, of our leading man as they're flying helicopters down through the L.A. riverbed right. and, and, and being chased by guys with, with machine guns in another helicopter. Just can't go and shoot a bunch of uh, helicopters going right. by. Right. You've got to have incidents, and, and they almost run into the, pri- the, the pillars of the bridges, and, and then they've got to, something else happens. Yeah. You know, you've got to keep it alive, otherwise it just gets boring. What's so interesting, I think we talked about earlier, what's so interesting to me is back then, you didn't have drones to shoot this footage. You didn't have CG to, to, to fix them or to, to add effects. I mean, obviously, there were some visual effects. I think there was probably some blue screen, I think, in, in Blue Thunder. How do you look at action movies today that have those other advantages? Does it make you hungry that you wish you had them, or do you feel like you did it the way you wanted it to be done? I got to tell you, there's no blue screen in that movie. Oh, okay, excuse me. I'm l- two miniature shots total. Wow. If it was done, it was done with real helicopters, at real speeds and in real places. Wow. And we're flying downtown L.A. on Sundays, 50 feet above the ground, in between the buildings. Wow. Yeah, so that's what 1980s action movies were like for the young people. Very nice. Last, I want to ask you about, uh, you've directed a lot of movies over the years, as we mentioned, a lot of TV movies as well. There was one movie I was curious about. Uh, it was a TV movie about an investigative reporter who sets out to prove his brother, a professional football player, was innocent of murder. Do you happen to remember the title of that movie? Because according to my notes, it was called The Keegans. Oh, my God. Was he... Was he uh, okay, The Keegans. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There was nothing personal to that title. (laughs) All right, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Elle. First, we wanted to know, in the movie Blue Thunder, what kind of vehicle was Blue Thunder? Helen, what did Elle Key say? Elle said helicopter. And John? And absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Very good. 
Next, we wanted to know what human was the leading star of Blue Thunder. Helen, what did Elle say? A Caucasian man with short hair who is handsome. And John? And that's, that's the way we, we build him in the title, <laughs> yeah. too. I, I must have seen a different Caucasian, version. Caucasian because the man name, with short yeah. hair. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. I must have seen a different version the other night because it had a different name above the title. Who was that, in fact? Well, we're 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 standing on Sunset Boulevard, shooting at a at a, 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 a diner, a drive-in diner. A bunch of guys come up to him, and and start talking to him. They were they're military guys on on leave, and 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 one of them says, "Don't I know you from somewhere?" And his buddy says, "Oh man, don't you know nothing? This is George C. Schneider." <laughs> Better known as? Roy? Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider was there, yeah. And it was on the tip of your tongue. I That's said all right. Roy. That's all right. He was in uh, Jaws. It's something uh, else. But finally, wanted to know what okay. other thriller starring Matthew Broderick was also directed by John Badham and also released in 1983. Helen, what did Elle say? Elle said War Games. And John? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely Yay! correct. Another point. I looked up the release dates. How was it that War Games and Blue Thunder were released three weeks apart from each other? I was really tired. (laughs) (laughs) That would explain it. (laughs) There was a point where I was shooting uh, War Games in the daytime and mixing the sound for Blue Thunder at night. Oh, oh my God. Michael J. Fox during Back to the Future, Mm -hmm. you know, we were seeing who could last the longest. Yeah, because you you worked with him on the hard way uh, as well. So he would do that at night while he was doing family family ties in the day. Family ties doing Back to the Future. Unbelievable. It's wonderful to have you here. Elle, is there anything you would like to say or ask of our expert John Batten while we have him here today? There's so many things. (laughs) I'm I'm a huge fan of so much of your work. Just really glad you you were able to join us today. Um, what What is the name of your book? It's, well, it's very original. It's a very clever title. It's John Batham on directing. (laughs) (laughs) It does what it says on the tin. Uh, John, it's been so wonderful that you've joined us tonight. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? Absolutely. Look on johnbatham.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for stopping in today. The legendary director, John Batham. Thank you for being here, John. A standing ovation from our audience at the Barnes & Noble. Wow, what a very kind response. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? J. Keith, it is a tie right now. What? Keegan Michael Key has six and a half points, and L. Key also has six and a half points. That was the plan. That was the plan. That was the plan all along. She was lying in wait. Uh, All right, now it is time for our final round. We call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Keegan and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, please answer each statement with true or false. Here we begin. Keegan, Australia is known for being the native home of kangaroos. True. Correct. L, Australia has sports teams named the Kangaroos. False. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry, they really do. Keegan, their national men's rugby league team is called the Kangaroos. True. Correct. L, their women's rugby league team is called the Kangaroos. True. Incorrect. No. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, they're called the Jillaroos. Keegan, I didn't do it. Keegan, their men's volleyball team is the Volleyroos. 
True. Correct. L, the women's volleyball team is the Volley Roos. These are easier. Um, true. Correct. Yay! Yay! All right. Keegan, their men's soccer team is the Socceroos. True. Correct. <laughs> L, the women's soccer team is the Socceroos. True, yes. Incorrect. No, I'm terribly sorry. Keegan, it's called the Jillaroos. True. Incorrect. L, it's called the Kangaroos. True? Incorrect. <laughs> Keegan, it's called the Ruaroos. Uh, false. Correct. L, it's called the Matildas. True? Correct. <laughs> and finally, Keegan, which is much less fun than the Ruaroos. Of the true. Yeah. Correct. All right, let's give a nice hand to Keegan Michael Key and L Key as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's episode? I am at the end of the game. Keegan Michael Key has ten and a half points and L Key has seven and a half points. Congratulations, oh, Keegan Michael Key. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Keegan, what will you do with your championship? Oh, I will, I will take those points. And I will cherish them in my heart. And, oh. and I will share uh, two of them. <laughs> I just did it again with the math. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to share two of them with her so we'd be tied. Not how math nope, works. Nope, okay. <laughs> no. Excellent. It's next next time she's making you floaters, yeah. not yeah. sinkers. It's a, it's a good thing you can do funny voices, isn't yes, it? Exactly, yeah, very good. Exactly, I just yes. want to wrap up by giving everyone on the panel a chance to mention or promote anything they might have. Uh, Ellen, Keegan, Michael Key, anything you might have that you would like to promote? We have a book that just came out this week. It's called The History of Sketch Comedy. It's uh, wherever books are sold. And uh, and even in the room that we're in right now at Barnes and Noble, they have assigned copies. So. Excellent. Go to a place where books are sold, like, like the place right we here, are here. Right here. Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You are so lucky because my hosting partner is Miss Helen Hong. <laughs> Helen, what do you have going on? You can follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong, not that other Helen Hong because she's not, not funny. funny. And if you are in the Seattle area, I will be performing at the Kirkland Performance Center on October 21st. So come see me there. Come see her there. You'll be happy you did. It's Helen Hong. Uh, And me, you can find me on X. I still can't say that. I still can't say that with a straight face. And at all the other socials at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Keegan-Michael Key, L. Key, Glover Quinn, John Batham, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on all the socials, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Stephen Boykin did on CastBox. He, she, or they said, lots of fun and actually educational, too. I really enjoy it. Thanks, Stephen Boykin. Learning can be fun. Helen? <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from Barnes & Noble at The Grove in Los Angeles. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer, who really hauled butt today on this recording, is Dave McKeever. 
Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Bart Gold, Brian Phillips, Jennifer Piers, and John Garcia Shelton. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Promotional videos by Annie LaFerrier. Live show photography by Christine Vallada. Live show stage management by Dave Bianchi. Special thanks to Ellen Trudell and Mo Pearson at the Detroit Lions. Beth Parker and Jennifer Allen at Beth Parker PR. Rachel Cave, Diana Luna, Kayla Knutson, and everyone at Barnes & Noble. Scott J. Langto and Clint Tauscher. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go make matzo ball soup. Ooh, will they be sinkers or floaters? Right there, just on the level. Maximum fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.